Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Interesting Hour. I'm Devesh Verma, and my co-host... Justin Kupinoff. Welcome back, everybody. This episode of The Interesting Hour is brought to you by Core Foundation. Core Foundation is a multimedia nonprofit. Check us out at cor-foundation.org. So, uh, subscribe, share, do all their stuff. Like, Please talk about the show. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you better be talking about the show at the water cooler. Justin, so help down. me. Justin, calm down. All right, all right. Calm down. So we got Michael Cox today. Yeah, buddy. Sommelier. Sommelier. I believe that's how Sommelier. you say that, Sommelier. that word correctly. Well, our listeners will find out as soon as they hit like next 30 seconds. Yeah, pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, he was awesome enough to come on our show. Uh, he actually came over uh, Skype. So there is a slight delay with our talk with him, but I hope you guys don't mind that. It was a very interesting topic to see the science that goes into making wine and yeah. like stomping grapes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, stomping grapes. Um, That's a thing. We also have uh, a great section at the end where we quiz this wine expert on some uh, unconventional dishes and what they would be paired with wine-wise. And we also talk about the uncanny pairing of cheese and wine and why that just is so perfect. And why cheese is so great. And cheese is just cheese and cheese and cheese. And <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I mean, we had cheese and wine while we we're uh, recording this episode. It was it was pretty romantic being stuck in a small room with you with no air conditioning, the sweat on my brow as I looked into your eyes as I drank wine. You're making me blush, man. <laughs> and that's hard for you. I, it's, it is hard for a brown man to blush, I will say that. Um, but also in this episode, we do uh, ask how sommeliers uh, master the hangover. So tune in, guys. It's going to be awesome. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's do it. One, two, three, four. We got something pretty special on air today. Uh, we got Michael. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and uh, your name and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm Michael Cox. I'm, I'm a sommelier at, uh, at a restaurant here in Southern California. And uh, I love to drink and I love to talk about it. And I made my uh, alcoholism a career. Nice. <laughs> we can learn something from you. I love to drink as well. <laughs> so, um, Michael, so let's first of all talk about the title. <laughs> the actual name the like actual. <laughs> how do you say it properly because i'm sure you get a lot of uh funny pronunciations oh yeah yeah <laughs> um uh you know the, the easiest way to pronounce it is to break it up into three parts uh so you uh, break it up into so mel yay so just pronounce so mel yay yeah so mel all right. I sound like a professional saying that. Sommelier. Sommelier. Exactly. But I'm sure more, more than once I've, I've had people ask me, oh, you're, you're from Somalia? <laughs> <laughs> really? You've gotten that before. Oh, oh man. More, more than a few times. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what, like, I, the way I read it the first time, I was like, Sommelier? Or, like, I felt like it was pretty Western or like white. Sommelier? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know yeah. what I was going for at that point, but I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure Grimer failed me at some point. <laughs> so um, that's cool. Uh, yeah, Justin. Yeah, so, okay, so here's one of the things I wanted to ask right off the bat. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're like, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a fireman. But it's like no little kid's like, I want to be a sommelier, <laughs> you know? So it's like... I want to be an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at what point in your life did you think, oh, this might be something I want to make a, make a living off of? 
You know, um, when I when I just got out of high school, I went directly into culinary school. I, I loved cooking; I had cooked throughout my adolescence, and uh, um, uh, so I started you know practicing that craft uh, as a chef. And I cooked for a few restaurants, and finally uh, landed in Southern California cooking for a high end restaurant. And, and I got really interested on what the guys on the other side of the path were doing as the, the servers and watching them taste wine and work in groups and talk about wine. I really had no idea what they were up to, so. I, you know, while I was doing my prep work, I would listen, and it really sounded interesting to me. And, and um, so after cooking for a few years at the restaurant that I worked at, I decided to take some classes and get some book knowledge and, you know, pop a couple of uh, a bottle of wines, uh, bottle of wines <laughs> open and, and uh, you know, and, and then learn a little about what I was drinking. So that's kind of how it all started. It's pretty, I, I mean, going into that, it's kind of complex. I, I, I know there's, like, wine classes and stuff like that and, like, I don't know, like you, they trying to teach you what to taste for, or I've been to wine tours, like on a boat. It's interesting how far, far deep you can dive into this topic. Like people really sure. do dedicate so much time to this. I completely agree with you. It, there, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, if I understood the question correctly, the, you know, the accreditation process, you know, the, the, the class time, if you will, most of that is, you know, done almost on your own. Uh, so I, I have heard of, of people actually having uh, uh, some, some extensive study programs and, 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 and you know, uh, 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 certain methods of curriculum that, that will get you a sommelier uh, accreditation. Most of the testing, you know, or most of the actual study is kind of just done with a, with a book or maybe a couple books <laughs> and, and, you know, a few bottles of wine and kind of learning uh, about what you actually, you know, are drinking, you know, and kind of and just kind of going through the process of tasting, kind of figuring out uh, uh, the flavor profiles within a wine, and just kind of gathering your own thoughts from there. And, and it's all done, you know, that whole that whole process is learned just by you know extensive repetition. So, you know, it, it requires, you know, you know, I, I would say some 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 daily some some daily drinking and 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 you know learning about that beverage that you're that you're consuming. That sounds like some fun training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Did uh, w- when you were when you were doing culinary school? Um, did is that something that they offer through culinary school, like uh, training in that particularly, or is that usually done separately? You know, so I've seen some of them in some culinary schools nowadays that they do have uh, wine programs that are kind of wrapped into that. Uh, for the most part, though, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to the school to be a chef, most of your, you know, your education is going to be spent learning how to cook and, and, and developing and honing that skill. Uh, uh, but yes, you know, when I was in culinary school, we did cover some basic wine education, but it was nothing, uh, to the realm of what I learned, you know, uh, practicing the, the, uh, art of being a, a sommelier. Okay. So when you, when you finished, uh, when you finished, learning about that like how did you how did you go about like um getting a job and like what what does it actually entail let's get down into it and be unlike what what is the day-to-day like uh for a sommelier well as, as far as far as you know that you know learning the craft you know to, you know to actually to be to be called a um a sommelier you have to go through a testing uh, that's about the court of master sommeliers and uh, that that testing at, at the level that I'm at, which is a certified sommelier, uh, sommelier is um, requires uh, 
uh, a, a, a tasting uh, portion, a blind tasting portion. There's also a test on your methods of service, as well as a uh, Q&A uh, set as well. So uh, after you uh, uh, get that accreditation, you know, the normal process would be to go, you know, interview with restaurants, drop your resume off. I, I was fortunate already cooking for the restaurant that uh, uh, I was working at. I kind of was able to uh, just kind of uh, uh, move over from being a chef to starting to serve tables and 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 uh, work work in the front of the house rather than the back of the house. So that was very fortunate for me. But the the normal the normal uh, um, uh, way about you know getting a job as a sommelier is a lot of beating down doors and finding if there's a position open. And, and it's funny enough now the position is is really kind of a a hot button. It's it's uh, uh, I just heard that Mike D of the Beastie Boys is now a sommelier at a restaurant in L.A. Really? What? So it's what? quite this like chic job that everybody wants to get a hold of. We kind of kind of this weird hipster position, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. And, and it's funny enough because you know the, the normal day to day operation of of being a sommelier is is not is really is not that glamorous. So sometimes it's, it's totally as such. I mean, you know, my my day my day starts off by you know, polishing upwards of a hundred or more glasses, you know, getting, you know, so the, getting the, uh, the glass for ready that people are going to drink out of. And that's, you know, you know, quite mundane in its nature. Uh, and then from there, you know, with table set up, making sure the table that the person that the people are going to dine at looks great, uh, and, and is, and is ready for service. And, and, and then from there, you know, I mean, it's, it's the uh, entire process of bringing guests into your restaurant, Thank you. Their orders. Find out what they're going to eat, and then you get down to the fun part of, well, what are we going to drink with that? You know, fantastic meal you just created for yourself, and that can, you know, that's that that that's that's uh, I guess the fun part of being a sommelier. Oh, don't worry. We'll have some fun later in this episode. We want to <laughs> later on. We're going to ask you some questions about you know wine pairings with sure. uh, some of our favorite foods. We're going to put Michael's <laughs> skills to the test. Yeah, <laughs> but that's later. That's later in the episode. Uh, going on. So. It seems like uh, you're setting up a, uh, an experience for people. Like it's you're really looking at the detail, like, and then you're waiting for the scene to be set, which is the meal, and then you're saying like you can just that's go. That's correct. That's interesting. Exactly. I never, I never looked at it that way. And it just seemed like, yeah, let's. What do you want to drink? What tastes good? Okay, yeah, let's just let's get the job done. Well, yeah, and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes that's the case. I mean, there's there's several realms of thought that you go about. When you're doing, you know, uh, a beverage pairing for a particular meal, some people just, you know, they don't care what they're eating. They just want to drink red wine or they don't, you know, they just, they only drink sweet wine. And, you know, you're, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, what can be the, um, the difficult part of being a sommelier, you know, is where you have one map that you like to follow, depending on what your guest wants, you know, is what you have to direct them to. So it's not so much as a sommelier, you know, what, what you'd like to drink, uh, but more what the, what experience the guest is into. You know, and 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 it's it, you know typically speaking, you know, I'm all about great food and wine pairings and classic uh, uh, pair ability to uh, make a dish and a wine kind of hum together. But you know, you get many clients, you know, who are like, you know, I want to have a steak that you know they're to their to their liking, and they only drink sweet wine. And you know, in my mind, my brain is just th- throwing off all sorts of alarms and bells and whistles. Going, no, that's not right. You know, no, you don't want that. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you pour them the greatest Cabernet on the planet. They're going to hate it. So, you know, you're going to pour them a wine that they like. And I think, you know, and, and in that case, that's, 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 that's the sommelier's job. You know, there's, you know, certainly the, the, the outcome here is to, to make sure the, 
the guests are satisfied with what they're drinking. <laughs> so sometimes you're walking back to the kitchen, like biting your tongue, like I cannot believe he's drinking that with the halibut. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, when I first started my career, you know, I was, I was, you know, uh, you know, fresh with my accreditation, and I, you know, had all this knowledge at hand. You know, I would really kind of, you know, I, I, I would kind of, you know, have that 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 thought in the back of my head from time to time. But you know, now doing this, oh man, wow, for over 15 years. You know, it's it's I, I have become happier with the idea of providing the experience that the guests want and you know, being practicing the whole art and humility of being a sommelier and being at someone's service, really that, that I think as long as they're happy and they find pleasure in what's before them, I mean that's that's the that's the uh that's the outcome I'm looking for. That's so funny. You're such like an artist about it, right? Like you wanna make sure you give the right opinion but it's just like anything when oh, you get sure. into, when you get into the business of it it's kind of like all right i gotta i gotta kill the ego a little bit i gotta bite my tongue and just give them some white ziffendale <laughs> because that's what they want yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and in case anyone doesn't know white ziffendale is like a seven dollar bottle of wine nine dollar bottle of wine you can get like a yeah, but I, you know, yeah i love i love my white ziffendale drinkers i call that gateway wine yeah gateway you know, wine. They, they, they they start there and you know at that seven dollars a bottle, and you know, maybe a few years from now, you're giving them several, you know, several hundred dollar bottles of wine instead of you know where where they started. It's all about you know, just thank God they're drinking wine. You heard it here, folks. White <laughs> Zinfandel is a gateway wine. <laughs> Man, use at your own risk. No, actually, I did. I totally believe that. That was my first wine that I actually like tried. I remember trying like red wine early on, and I was just like not having it. I was this is like it was like boxed red wine, and I was just no. Yeah. No. Right. Like my. It, who would ever want to drink this? And then you give me a white Zinfandel sure. when I get older. It's like, ah, oh, yes, this is tolerable. <laughs> I too like wine. So. I think that you know that's a, that's a that's a big problem with people who who don't enjoy wine. The the the, the first wine that they get or the one they try is really really bad wine. You know, it's just not well made. It's not it's not tasty in any form or manner. You know, and you speak of that box wine that's just just you know in many cases you know, completely undoubtable, you know, that's, that's a lot of people's impressions of wine and they just, they don't want to even go back to it. So, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a shame that there, that there truly is a lot of bad wine out there. You know, I wish, you know, if anything, I wish, I wish, <laughs> I wish there was some regulation against that. You know, you can't make bad wine. I don't care whether it's inexpensive or, or not. It just can't be bad. What a purist. <laughs> Such a purist. It's funny. It's like, uh, I don't know why I'm getting reminded, like when you're in college or something, it's like the person who never graduated to like real liquor, the state that's smearing off ice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it just never went further than that. Like the wine cooler. <laughs> like that's as far as they wanted to go. That's like the equivalent, I feel like is White Sivendale or something. But that's funny. You know, um, Michael, I wanted to circle back on a question I forgot to ask earlier. Uh, it's back to the schooling bit of this. How long does that usually take when you want to decide to become a psalm? You know, there's there's no real um, time set time length. Um, you know, it's all a um, it's all a manner of how you can uh, 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 you know uh, certainly assess and and uh, uh, digest the information, uh, and uh, from there, um, you know, the the testing itself. You know, usually it's it's a week. It's it, it's anywhere between a few days to to a week of of, of examination, uh, and then you get your particular accreditation. In the in the in the in the sommelier world, 
there's four different classifications. You've got introductory, which is, you know, of course, the beginning, and there's certified, uh, uh, and then advanced, and then master. And, uh, of course, you know, introductory, I you know, think typically requires about six months of, of heavy study, uh, certified, um, you know, a year or so more of study on top of that, advanced another two years, and then you know, that, 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 that realm of master is, you know, something that some people take, you know, upwards of a decade to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to get that bank of knowledge. What state do you have to be, or what, what level of certification you have to be to get that necklace, uh, taster thing? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen like, don't yeah, I do the, the taste event, you know, that's the, the, the necklace with the little cup on it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, you know that we don't we don't typically that's not something that we use typically uh, anymore it's a, a very old school uh it's tool. cool jewelry and what's that what <laughs> what that's for is so that you can taste the guest the, the person that you're pouring for so you can taste their wine and tell them whether it's good or not um you know that at this point we typically don't do that anymore <laughs> um but um i mean because uh, you know because it, it's it's a little bit uh, you're you're unfit to taste your wine, let me taste it for you and tell you whether you're going to like it or not. You know, it tastes the wrong picture. Oh, I, I, okay, um, I, I get you. Okay, well, here's the thing. I had to ask that because I had just recently watched John Wick 2 and they had a sommelier in the movie, but he's like a gun expert. Like, I need something bold. And he gives him like a gun. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but he had like the whole getup. Like, he had that cup around his neck and stuff like that. So, you're right. I remember that. I yeah. just watched it too. Recently. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't have watched it recently? <laughs> but yes. Uh, no, I thought that was kind of like I, when we were going to do this episode, I, that's the first scene I thought of coming from the entertainment background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Obviously, getting off topic here. I no, think. it's all it's all good. <laughs> so, so other than like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how many different uh, how many different jobs like can you get as a sommelier? Like, are there are there many different positions or different things you can do around a restaurant or or anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, actually, I mean, you know, the the opportunity uh, of employment is pretty broad. I mean, typically speaking, you know, yeah, you're going to be you know working tables and. Uh, 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 working in that fashion, but, you know, also as, you know, your skill level increases or whatever you're driven to do, you can, uh, uh start to create wine lists and, uh, 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 work more, uh, in the cellaring department, uh, uh, of a restaurant, or you can work for wineries, uh, work, uh, uh, in their, uh, tasting rooms or help them with promotion, or in some cases, even help them in blending uh, uh, wines together to create a final product. Uh, uh, but I think there's a you know a, a wide range of opportunity other than just you know sitting at a table and and serving tables and mm-hmm. and uh, 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 serving wine in that fashion. No, I think that if that is its most common occupation, uh, and uh, certainly what I love doing the most. Okay, so uh, but if you're if you're working at like a winery and and you have a job as a sommelier there, are you actually helping them, like, uh, like giving them like tips on how the the wine's created or what? Uh, you know, typically, uh, if you're a sommelier at a winery, you know, normally you would be working within the tasting room, uh, assisting guests, and that 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 accreditation. Uh, certainly is going to make the, the client feel a bit more comfortable trusting you uh, uh, with the product that you're offering them. 
Uh, and certainly that knowledge base is going to help you explain things better and be more familiar with the product that you're selling. Um, uh, but you could also uh, be assisting the winemakers uh, in blending wines together, uh, separate varieties of grapes to make uh, uh, blended, let's say, blended red wines uh, and uh, uh, helping them assess what may be the best flavor profile for uh, those grapes are kind of it's going to sit to get sit together with each other. That's interesting. Um, another question I had: uh, you were talking about the different types of like positions you can hold as a sommelier. What's like the dream position? Like you getting into this? Like what do you want to be at? Like do you want to be doing private parties? Do you want to be in the wine cellar? Like what is it? Like what do people thrive to be? Like right, I'm I'm where I want to be. Like this is the spot, and that's it. I'm done. I'm cruising. Everyone's jealous of me right now. <laughs> You know, I think, you know, I mean, certainly, I mean, you know, certainly I think for, you know, most people who are, who are in this industry, you know, what we love doing is creating, uh, 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 wines that we like and, uh, uh, pardon me, or creating a list that showcases wines that we like and then presenting those to clients, uh, and, uh, helping them enjoy them as well. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, um, uh, certainly, uh, I have a big uh, love for a particular style and types of wines, and uh, I've gone off to create uh, my own business where I sell those wines. Uh, oh. So having your own, if you will, wine shop uh, where you can kind of uh, uh, be the master of your own list uh, and present those to you know potential clients is a lot of fun. Um, uh, and I, I think I think typically as a sommelier. Uh, that's what you would, that would be in game is would you want to make sure that you can make your own mark on a, whether it be a restaurant or a, a wine shop and certainly, uh, showcase wines that you think are great or you think that are important and want to offer those to your, your client base. Yeah, that's great. I mean, cause you're, I mean, it's kind of seems like you got the best of both worlds. I mean, you're helping people at, at the table as they're making their decision with their food and uh, this is a good time we can go on and talk a little bit more about the business that you have because you're also uh, working a business with your wife, correct? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, my um, my wife is also a certified sommelier. She spent uh, 15 plus years uh, at, a cellar, uh, at, at a restaurant, uh, and uh, we got the idea uh, together to go ahead and start our own business, and we. We developed an online wine shop where we sell wines all over the world, as a matter of fact, uh, to uh, individual individual clients, to other high-end restaurants, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've been in operation now for almost exactly two years, and um, it's, uh, it's, 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 been, it's definitely been a labor of love, something that we've really, really enjoyed doing and had, had a chance to showcase the wines that we think are absolutely wonderful. That's great. And what? adorable, by the way, that you guys are both Psalms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it's, just another, it's just another opportunity for my wife to be my boss. Oh. Is kind of how I see it and how she sees it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know how adorable it is, but yeah, yeah, it's just another opportunity for her to control me a little bit, you know? Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm a what, big proponent of that. What's the uh, company name? Uh, our company's name is Falling Bright Wine Merchants. And you can find it uh, just by either Google searching that or you can just type in fallingbrightwinemerchants.com and it'll lead you right to our gallery. Nice. And she has over uh, 300 wines that she uh, that we showcased. And 
it's uh it's it's well presented there's a lot of information there both pictorial video and text and uh it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a beautiful gallery of the wines that we find to be enjoyable Awesome. And is it when you do this, uh, are you basically getting wines that are close to you and offering them to the rest of the world? Is that how it works? Like you're getting wines that are local here in California or, or how's that work? Yeah. So, I mean, we're both, well, we, you know, we both enjoy a world of wines, uh, as I like to say, uh, you know, we're both really big, low carbon footprint people. We both really do enjoy wines that are domestically produced. So our list, you know, features almost completely, uh, wines from California, Oregon, and Washington. And uh, those are the wines that we have fallen in love with. And uh, those are the relationships that we have worked with as far as winemakers and wineries that we have gotten to know throughout the you know 15 plus years that we've been doing this. Uh, so yeah, those are primarily the wines that we showcase uh, on our side. You know, it's interesting you said that. So those areas you specifically pointed out, like wine tastes different from different parts of the world. Like right now, Justin and I are sipping on Malbec, which is I think from Argentina. Uh, but yeah, like I, I like is there like I remember hearing this. I'm not sure if this is true, but are like different wineries like the soil that has to like get it primed and ready to grow the, like the berries and stuff like that to get that taste, like get that like signature taste from where they come from, from whatever country. Like, I remember hearing like it takes like well, a decade to get like the soil just right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, it's you know, I mean. You know, the, the, the soil is, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's already what it is in most cases, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, so finding the right site that grows a particular grape the best is kind of what you're trying to do when sourcing out, uh, as a winery is sourcing out where they're going to plant. Uh, so like you said, you are enjoying a Malbec Margentina, which grows a lot of great Malbec, their soil, their climate really, I think, very conducive to grow that grape well. See what I mean? Uh, See what I mean? Of course, Mel... What was that? Oh, no, I was just, yeah, I was just gloating, that's all. Don't worry, keep going, please. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> oh, sure, certainly, certainly. Uh, but, of course, their Malbec grows wonderfully uh, in Napa and Sonoma as well. I have seen some great Malbec in the Central Coast of California also. Um, uh, so, you know, you're looking... In most cases, for a temperate climate, it's not too hot, it's not too cold. Um, specific soil types, uh, uh, gravelly soils, uh, sandy soils, volcanic uh, remains, you know, all these elements uh, offer a note of, uh, of, uh, of terroir in a wine that can be specific to a particular region. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I think that's part of the magic of winemaking and, and, and wine itself is based on where these grapes have grown, based on what grapes are planted in that particular region, based on how uh, the winemaker handles that fruit is going to give you a, a uh, unique finished product. Uh, uh, in many cases, I have seen these great vineyard sites. Uh, uh, there uh, is a vineyard in Napa Valley called the Tokalon Vineyard that many winemakers uh, pull grapes from, and you can have the same site, uh, or probably fruit from the same site, but you'll have two different winemakers making that wine, and they're completely different. Uh, so it's all based on you know where the fruit's coming from, uh, what the winemaker did with it, and uh, um, you know certainly that will give you you know your finished product. Wow. Okay. So. Uh 
I guess can we let's just since we're getting into the the wine and, and the different uh, you know places making it taste different and everything can yeah. we just like go for, through from start to finish like uh, what the basic process is to make wine actually yes like just basic basic wine one hundred and one here like what they're doing when they when they plant the stuff sure, to make it sure I mean of course well I mean you, you got it all starts with grapefruit I mean that's you know uh, you know that's, that's a common uh, line that that we hear and and. In the wine world, that if you don't have great fruit, you're not going to make great wine. So, I mean, the fruit has to be well cared for, has to be grown in the right conditions, and provided that that fruit has been you know, has has been taken care of well, uh, the fruit is harvested in most cases by hand. Uh, that fruit is then uh, put through a crusher and a destemmer, and uh, uh, you uh, take the, uh, the the grapes themselves, press the juice out of them. Uh, that juice. Uh, sits in uh, fermentation tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, yeast is added to it. Uh, it can be natural yeast that is that is already on the skins of the grapes, or can be a yeast that is uh, brought from a laboratory. And uh, after that fermentation occurs, uh, anywhere from seven to twenty-one days normally, um, then you uh, can either uh, bottle the wine immediately. Uh, uh, or it can go back in stainless steel uh, or concrete or even French barrels and can sit and cellar for a while. And then, of course, you know, it's going to be bottled and then sent out to be sold. And that's kind of winemaking <laughs> 101 broken down real simple. Yeah, for sure. I have a follow-up question to that 101 uh, introductory. Thank you for that. Um how sanitary is it when you're stepping on the berries to ju- squeeze the juice out? <laughs> I don't think everybody steps I, on I, berries we, anymore. Isn't <laughs> like a thing you do when you go to like uh, like a winery? Some wineries still do that. No, I don't. Am I it's going crazy here? He's like, referencing the Lucy episode where Lucy's stomping on the grapes, and I think he's just got this image in his head of everybody stomping on grapes nowadays. <laughs> well, I do they? Does that still happen where people stomp on grapes to get the juices out? So okay, yeah. So I've seen. I mean. There are certainly uh, stomping on grapes still still occurs. Yeah, people putting their feet yeah in 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 that big vat of grape uh, must and uh, juice from the grape itself. People stomping around on it. Um, completely sanitary. Uh, the fermentation process uh, okay. uh, and the alcohol that's created kills everything. Okay. Uh, speaking, you know, more, uh, uh, you know. Uh, as far as technique uh, is, uh, you know, and, and modern technology has gone, there are mechanical processes that do this. Uh, oh. I mean, you got to consider, you know, I mean, in, in many cases, many people are making more than just, you know, a few barrels of wine. So, you know, right. Need, I mean, don't get me you wrong. Know, you're gonna need, you need quite a few feet. You know, we don't, we don't, you know, it's not, you know, it's not ancient Rome anymore. We can just, you know, go. You know, bring you know people in and just stomp on grapes all day long. I mean, you know, but uh, um, yeah. I, I, in, in many cases, now it's mechanized. I see. Don't get me wrong. I, I knew there was like a modernized process or something. I was just when people think of like wineries and stuff, like I think like stereotypically, I think of like, oh, that's when you get in that giant barrel and start stomping on grapes, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that's like the part of the day process, right? Like that's going to happen. Might have never done that. But still, I need to. Yeah, and it, and it, but I mean, but yeah, it still it still does occur, and and it it's a process that many people are really excited about uh, every every harvest, and I even see some wineries bringing out uh, uh, parties and people that are on their 
they're on their list to help and, and, and stomp grapes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, for me, it just dyes my skin purple and, and it makes me, you know, kind of itchy. So, so, <laughs> oh, so you've done it. it before. Yeah. I was about to follow that up, but you've obviously done this before. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, come on, you gotta be, if you're going to be drinking wine to be in the industry, you have to stomp on grapes before. You gotta get your feet dirty. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah how long does it take to clean your feet from all the stains and stuff like a day uh it, it's i mean i mean i mean that stain can be with you for you know three or four days you know i mean <laughs> as wow. far as the as far as what you know that what remains on your skin that's dedication i'm gonna go home and just stomp on my wife's grapes tonight not to make wine i just want to be able to say <laughs> i did it <laughs> just, that's as a follow-up for this episode that's good that's solid that's funny so what's so what do we got next on this uh, on our questions here? Um, well, I was wondering like uh, <laughs> what uh, what like what are some of the different ways in the process that you talked about? You know, very basically, like uh, what are some ways you can extend certain processes or or shorten them that will affect the taste of the wine? And like, how does it affect the taste of the wine? Um, it's, well, I mean. The shortest process of making a wine, usually they are white wines, is the uh, juices pressed from the grape. Uh, we really don't need any any pigment, uh, so it doesn't have to sit with the skins. Uh, uh, so you can really press the juice, let it uh, ferment with the yeast, uh, and then, of course, uh, once the proper alcohol content is reached, usually with a white wine around 11.5% or so, uh, you can bottle that and off it goes. Um, typically speaking, you know, wines uh, uh, that are more richer in quality of flavor, more nuancy, uh, that winemaking process takes a, long, a lot longer because there's a lot more steps that you go through. So let's say a uh, robust uh, red wine uh, where... Um, you have uh, squished the grapes, whether by feet or, you know, mechanization. Uh, you're going to let the juice sit with the skins and the stems for a bit to kind of bring that color into the juice itself. Uh, and because uh, in most cases, uh, though the grapes are red, the juice that is within those grapes is white. Uh, so to get that beautiful color, they have to sit with the skins of the grapes themselves. And uh, from there, you can, uh, after the, um, the initial fermentation process has occurred, uh, you put it, you put the wine into oak barrels, which can age uh, upwards of anywhere from 10 to 24 months, depending on what you're doing, wow. uh, what your idea, what, 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 what grape wow. you're using, what flavor profile you're trying to attract. And uh, from there, there can be, uh, blending with different varieties to blend together to get a certain flavor profile. You can then bottle or put it back in oak barrels to age longer to sit with, uh, to develop a certain flavor profile. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, it can take upwards, uh, from, from the time that you harvest to the time that it goes into a bottle, it can take upwards of three to four years in some cases. Oh, wow. Three to, oh, I was like, okay, wow. All right. That's insane. When you're when you're taking that extra time, are you? Is it just making the wine stronger, bolder, or or does it really depend on what what grape you're using and everything else? I mean, certainly there is a the the, the grape will uh, affect the flavor profile of uh, flavor profile of the wine greatly. 
but typically speaking, uh, when you're aging wine in that manner, yes, the wine is becoming, it, it is typically going to be a more robust, richer, bolder wine. It's going to have a uh, great influence of, uh, of the oak barrel that it is sitting in. And, uh, typically speaking, these are also wines that you are going to have additional cellar in a car before you drink them. So once they get to the consumer, you know, the savvy consumer who's trying to, who, who sources and buys this wine is not going to take it home and drink it immediately. They're going to take it home and put it in their cellar for another three to four years or sometimes even more before they drink it. Such preparation. My wine doesn't last that long when I bring it home. I gotta the, say, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Malbec we're drinking is from 2013, and I definitely just bought this recently. <laughs> and, and, uh, and certainly, on that note, I must say that most wine, um, uh, especially wine that is made uh, here in California, is meant, is meant to be consumed upon purchase. Mm. Uh, so many people are making wine that can be consumed immediately. See that makes me feel better because I get I get sure like, sure and it's all it's it's all up to you you know no one should be telling you how to enjoy your wine the 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 reason you age a wine is that so certain flavor profiles come into a balance that you find to be uh, uh, that you would appreciate uh, so you know really you know selling a wine whether to do so or not is a very personal thing and while there are recommendations uh, it, it's all about the consumer what they're trying to achieve. Uh, as a wine sits in your cellar, the quality and intensity of fruit tends to take more of a backseat on your palate, while the notes of soil uh, and other elements that the wine has come into contact with are going to come up uh, to be on more of the front of the palate. Wow. Okay, cool. I had a question about uh, iced wine, because <laughs> I tried this. Uh, I, I've only tried, like, maybe two different kinds of iced wine, but I'm just, I, I need you to lay it out for me. Like what, what is the deal with iced wine? What, why is it different and why the hell is it so sweet? Like I almost can't stand it to be honest with you. Like what, what makes sure. iced wine so, so much different than just any other regular wine? Well, ice wines are, uh, uh, uh come from grapes that have been frozen. Uh, 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 classically speaking, those grapes are frozen on the vine uh, through natural processes because it gets it gets cold outside and the grapes freeze on the vine. Um, those uh, grapes, uh, being that they have set on the vine all season long, are of course incredibly ripe and incredibly sweet. And uh, the process in which they are made. Uh, uh, usually the alcohol is going to be a little bit lower so that there is more fruit. I mean, there's more sugar, uh, inherent in the, in, in the wine itself. That's why it's so sweet and delicious. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're very rich, very sweet wines. Um, typically speaking, um, they can be a little bit expensive because the process to get these grapes that ripe is very labor intensive. Uh, you can understand that. And a big vineyard full of huge, ripe, wonderful grapes, birds that fly over them are going to want to just swoop down and grab all that beautiful fruit. So mm-hmm. nets have to be cast over the vines. Uh, uh, there's a certain level of care that has to be taken when harvesting these grapes. And there's different uh, uh, things that can happen that can cause rot. 
So it can be, it can be a very troublesome wine to produce. Um, but yeah, they're very sweet wines and ice wine means that those grapes were frozen. So that's just, that's why it ends up being a little expensive and they sell it in smaller bottles at the end, just because it's, it's more intensive than the regular wine process. Exactly. Okay. You know, Michael, you're talking a lot of, uh, a lot of details here. What's, I'm gonna, this is a nice segue into the next question. What's the proper way to taste wine? What are you looking for when you're tasting it? How do you know what's a good wine? Super simple question. <laughs> yeah, super simple, sure. by the way. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, mean, can, you can answer this in actually, one line. That's fine. The, the process is actually fairly simple. I mean, it, it, classically, as a sommelier, we're, we're taught a particular method to taste wine. Um, and in that process, you know, uh, you're, 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 you uh, are, as a sommelier, you're looking to try and figure out what, uh, the, the, the character of a wine is, but it all, it all, you know, there, there's three parts to it. Uh, you want to, you want to look at the wine. So you look at the wine, uh, discerning, of course, uh, color, clarity, uh, uh, whether it has, uh, uh bubbles or not, whether it's, it's, it's gone through any sort of, uh, carbonation, uh, like a sparkling wine or, or champagne. And, uh, uh, and, uh, um, you can then smell the wine. Uh, uh, which of course is going to give you uh, uh, an idea of the uh, level of um, uh, character of fruit, oak, other tertiary nuances, and then of course you're going to taste the wine. And that's typically how you want to get the most out of your wine. And uh, that process, doing that with you know every every wine that you come into contact with, will give you a greater uh, evaluation of of what's in that particular glass, uh, uh, and kind of uh, makes the the process of drinking the wine a bit more fun, uh, a bit more uh, interesting. Trying to uh, uh, discuss, perhaps, with your the other person that you're drinking with, if you are fortunate enough to be drinking with someone, or if you have an imaginary friend if you're drinking alone, <laughs> and uh, you, you know you can you know you can you can you know figure out what it tastes like, other than just it's wine. <laughs> yeah, I just would drink it alone, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, there you go. You just talk to your imaginary friend. You know, hey, Bob, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it just so happens my imaginary friend coincides with Justin. Like, it just, I call him Justin. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funny. Me and my wife went to a, a wine tasting not too long ago for our anniversary, like a couple weeks ago. And um, it I don't know if it was just this guy that was offering us the tastings, but uh, he pretty much like everything we said about any wine. He's like, "Oh, do you mean something else, like other than what you're saying? You're tasting." He's a purist, <laughs> isn't he? He he's he's early in his career. He hasn't accepted that people have their own taste. That's what I'm going to say. I'm assuming I'm answering for Michael. Well, I I, I um, mean, you know, I mean, I think that I think that there are certain classic attributes every grape has. Um, uh, but certainly, uh, uh, I think whatever an individual gets out of a wine is certainly all about them. Uh, what a wine tastes like is, is you know, your is, is based on your own taste buds and what you have tasted before, because that's what you're going to find familiarity with. Uh, uh, but um, uh, you know, I, I think. As far as as myself and talking to people about tasting wine and when they're saying, 
you know, let's say we're drinking uh, a Pinot Noir and, you know, we're discussing fire profiles and uh, whatever that person gets off that wine, I certainly think is, is what they get off that wine. You know, someone may say, you know, in a Pinot Noir, you know, that I taste apricots and I, you know, may not get that off of a Pinot Noir because classically when drinking Pinot Noir, I get a lot of dried red fruit quality, dusty raspberry, strawberry, a little bit of cola, uh, some kind of a mushroomy, wintry, forcey, earth-like quality. And, uh, you know, never, you know, but never would I taste apricot, but certainly I've heard outlandish thoughts like that before. And I think that's what that person's getting, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it, you know, it's certainly, and I think it's all a manner of, of, of being familiar with it and tasting it, uh, over and over again. Well, uh, since you're talking about like the taste, uh, I just had a random question come to me right now. Like what's the, what's the, what's the most distinct or, or unique taste that you've tasted in a wine before? Distinct or unique. Um, you know, I mean, typically speaking, uh, uh, in, in, in many red wines, uh, those red and black fruits, uh, like I said, raspberry, plum, cherry, those are all flavor profiles that, that come up repeatedly uh, in many different red wines. Um, unique, uh, when drinking Riesling, you know, uh, you know, as, as sommeliers, we often give remarks, uh, aromatic quality of garden hose and diesel fuel. What? You know, I mean, when, mm-hmm. when, when they, when they, you know, yeah, when, when the, when the average consumer hears stuff like that, it is just the most off-putting thing you can ever tell anybody. But as a sommelier, when you're tasting and smelling this wine, you, you get this nuance of garden hose and, and, and petrol that immediately Jeez. lets you know what that wine is before you can even, before you even need to look at a label. And that would be a typical aromatic of that wine. Wow, you you have a sense. And it doesn't palate. taste like drinking. It doesn't taste like putting your mouth on a, you know, on a nozzle at a gas station. It's just a background aromatic profile that your brain registers. And uh, of course, the the more primary flavor profiles and nuance in a in a riesling uh, are going to be stone fruits. It's going to have a uh, quality of, of apricot, uh, uh, sometimes even peach. Uh, or citrus tones as well, uh, and going to have uh, the beautiful quenching acidity. Sometimes can be sweet, sometimes can be dry. Uh, uh, you know, not just not just you know that, that quality of petrol or or, or uh, you know what I just mentioned. <laughs> well, I, I would say uh, you sold me, put me down for your best uh, petrol wine you have. That sounds really hardcore. Exactly. I want to grab one of those. You, you would, you would, <laughs> you definitely would. Um, so. Moving on, like, what are the, uh, they have competitions for sommeliers, right? Like, do they? Is that a thing? They do. They do, yes. Have you you ever done any? And and what's, what is that like? I I have, I have not done any of these competitions, though I have seen them quite a bit. Uh Um, You know, the the, the competition can, can, uh, can range um, from tasting a wine to methods of service uh, and, what I have seen uh, there, you know, is a yearly competition, and the name is escaping me right now. But it is all based on how you would serve a table, how you would pour wine, different wines, uh, how you can move about even with a number of glassware on a tray. 
and uh, of course, then a blind tasting, tasting wine, figuring out what it is based on just the three requirements that I mentioned to you other, earlier, based on sight, smell, and taste. I, 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 the only thing I'm thinking about when you're telling me these, these competitions and how passionate people are about wine, how often are you guys having hangovers? Or are you guys, like, <laughs> this has to be like a thing, right? Like, you guys have mastered the hangover? You know, I mean, you know, typically speaking, um, and of course, you know, when we're doing these big tastings and then you're studying for your test, you know, sadly to say, you know, there is a lot of spitting going on with this sipping. Um, uh, I have, uh, uh, you know, especially in my you know, early days of trying to learn a lot about wine, I have spit out quite a bit of wine. And that is so you can taste the wine, but not get the ill effects of the, the, the beverage itself. So, such a waste. Um, such a waste. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, I feel you. I, I feel exactly the same way. Um, but I, I, I would say that you know, um, it is really easy to have a good time, especially when a group of psalms or wine enthusiasts get together and you bring out these great bottles and everybody's so excited, and you want to, you know, you drink all this great wine, and you know, a party of six people brings a dozen bottles or sometimes more. I mean, you're definitely feeling it the next day. I know I feel I, dude, when I drink wine I mean I don't drink it so often as I do like liquor or beer but like it's a different buzz for me man like I'm talking about it's something that I'm not very familiar with versus like you know having like three or four beers at a, a social gathering or like just sure. having some spiced rum or something like wine really gets to me like I get like nervous after a while <laughs> 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 it's a thing it's a different type. Of- I always find that wine with anything else, I think, opens up people to feel more truthful. Um, uh, He's getting spiritual, uh, guys. Know, <laughs> I think that people are very honest with their opinions when drinking, when when drinking wine, and feel you know a little bit more headstrong with with their thoughts. Um, that is what I have commonly seen, and what I, I commonly feel uh, when drinking. Uh, and, you know, yeah, yeah, sometimes, uh, so, you know, the, waking up the next day, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that, you know, and, and um, uh, but uh, I mean, it, sometimes it's a good thing as well, you know. Hey, break down those barriers, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, 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 I met the, the woman who is now my wife over wine and, and, and certainly kept her company by kept keeping her drinking. <laughs> <laughs> the couple that drinks together stays together. <laughs> there we go. That's right. <laughs> All right, so uh, one more question before we get to the end here, and uh, give you a quiz with some of these uh, <laughs> some, some of these, these foods that we'd like to have a wine pairing. Some with. of these queries we have. <laughs> um, why is it that cheese is just what? Why do wine and cheese go together so well? What is it about that pairing that that everybody uh, puts the two together? Well, I think I think readily speaking, uh, cheese is a great, uh, thing to enjoy, uh, all on its own. I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of fermented dairy products. Um, there are flavor nice. profiles in cheese and wine that are similar and really marry well with one another. And just like wine, uh, in cheese, there's a wide variety of opportunity. When you talk about milk types, uh, different cheeses, as far as how they're aged, um, people add things to cheese, whether it be, herbs, different fruits, 
uh, other flavor profiles that can be very complimentary with wine. It, it really is. It really is a match made in heaven. Okay. Well, here, here's this might sound like a stupid question, but when you say like you're trying to find a good pairing with like a certain wine and a certain cheese, are you trying to find um, flavors that are are similar, or they could be different, but they just complement each other well? I think I think both work really well. As a matter of fact, sometimes a uh, contrast can be very uh, can be very enjoyable, but certainly in most in most pairings, what is complementary to one another really works very well. So, for instance, um, uh, uh, we were talking about Pinot Noir earlier, and I think Pinot Noir is a great wine to enjoy with cheese. These wonderful nuances in a Pinot Noir, such as that freshly chilled earth, uh, kind of a mushroomy, uh, uh, wintry earth-like quality can be really great uh, with various washed drying cheeses. So cheeses that have a bit of a funk to them really work wonderfully with that type of wine. Are you talking uh, about like a, a, like a blue cheese. cheese type thing or, or goat cheese? What do you um, mean? By I, think, funk? I think in some cases, blue cheeses could work well. For me, I would pair a little bit more of a richer wine with mini blues, uh, but cheese mini blues. like, um, uh, like camembert or, or a uh, um, uh, or a, like a Limburger grow great with Pinot Noir. Mm. Uh, those are really absolutely fantastic. Hey, Michael, what goes well with pepper jack cheese? I just need to know. Sure. Oh man, man, pepper jack cheese. Uh, you know, I like that with Zinfandel. <laughs> Zinfandel? For sure. For sure. Those those, those peppery elements. Tempranillo also works really well. Also. Um, uh, some people may may want to go for a brighter white wine. Uh, sometimes uh, Sauvignon Blanc can be great with a spicier cheese as well. Is it because you're trying to get something sweeter, like with to go with the spice? Um, well, um, typically speaking, a Zinfandel for me, while it does have a fruit forward element, it's still a fairly dry wine. Uh, but I would definitely, if I was pairing a red wine, would want to match power. Uh, and usually a well-made uh, either pepper jack or chipotle or uh, uh, infused cheese is going right. to have that type of quality, which matches really well with either a Tempranillo or a Zinfandel. But I certainly think if you wanted a more cleansing, refreshing like quality, uh, Savion Blanc is a great way to go. Any wine with high acidity uh, um, uh, and a refreshing like quality uh, is going to work very nicely. I try all, always when I'm doing my cheese pairings to offer a white or a red. In most cases, that would work very well. I think that's always a really uh, uh, fun thing to do because uh, I think in many cases with cheese, uh, white and red wine works works well with with many uh, with with the, with the same cheese. Wow, you are getting so technical about this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I could listen to this guy talk about these pairings well, all day. It's like he's using words that I would never describe as a taste in my mouth has like be, uh, but i think that's beautiful you need to make sure it's acidic you know you know this is a test question michael you know why because we're getting to the part where i was the most excited for this episode <laughs> or we want to get go right into the whole the the pair, quiz pairing like the the whole we need to know what goes well with certain items of food and it's okay not, it's not okay, ju- I'm it's, ready. it's not just pepper jack cheese it's all kinds of cheeses it's more than just that it's okay I don't know. Justin, do you want to start this off? Because we, um, we compiled a, 
a stupid list. Well, I y- yes, I I wanted to know because I am a big fan of this. Uh, now I I cook a lot of food. Uh, I would say one of my masterpieces may be craft uh, macaroni and cheese. Um, so with sure. something like that, what would you be going for in terms of wine? So are we just talking straight craft mac and cheese? Did you add hot dogs to it? Uh, or I- oh, actually, I added uh, sliced uh, green uh, onions. Now you're just messing with the classic. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. Well, for, for me, uh, you know, Kraft mac and cheese with, with some chives or, or green onions like that, uh, you know, I, I would typically stick to a uh, white wine or softer red. Uh, if I'm going white wine, I think uh, Rhone-based white wines are great. So blends like Viognier, Grenache Blanc, Marsan, Roussan, those blended wines are fantastic with, with, with that type of mac and cheese. Uh, if you wanted to go for uh, a soft red, um, Val de Guy, Gamay, those work out really well also. Wow. That's like, we, we're sitting here like trying to stump you and make jokes, but like you have really good answers <laughs> to like what we're it's saying. Like, oh, wait, that does make sense. Well, you we should probably try well, yeah, that. It's, it's, a real sad, it's the real sad fact that, you know, I grew up in Tennessee next to a lot of gas stations, and this is the food that I would eat. So I'm, you know, I've got a lot of experience in this too. Well, I, you know, I have an extensive culinary education, and I've cooked many a great meal. I'm also a big fan of junk food too. So, so yeah, I mean, I can certainly work with you. I, I, oh man, I think he's he's going to be so ready for this quiz. All right, man. All right, let's let's go to some classic pairings. All right, what about a New York steak? Oh, New York steak. I mean, certainly, you know, if you got a New York steak with a great uh, char on the outside, you know, it's been on the grill, it's cooked to a beautiful medium rare. Bordeaux style blend, Cabernet based wines are fantastic. Is that is that a sorry sorry is that a general rule that it's a uh, it's it's red wines with uh, with meat and white wines with fish? Is that? I mean, yeah, I've heard that before, you know, and, and I think in most cases it works quite well. I mean, but with you know with 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 salmon, uh, let's say salmon. You know, cooked on top of a cedar plank. Uh, mm. uh, red wines can be really a, a lot of fun. Uh, especially lighter red wines can be a lot of fun. Um, you know, let's say you don't like red wine and you're having a steak, a big, bold, buttery Chardonnay, you know, that's set in an oak barrel for two years before, you know, before they fall it. It's going to be awesome, too. You think about dipping your steak in drawn butter, it's the same effect. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so what if you're like it's just it's 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 Domino's order in night and you got like a a pepperoni pizza with yes. mushrooms, pretty basic there. What what would you be going with? Oh, sure. Yeah, so pepperoni pizza, uh Sangiovese for sure. You know, I'm sure you know Chianti. Uh it's mm-hmm. 100% Sangiovese uh from uh the Chianti region of Italy. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. And Sangiovese also produced here in the U.S. Napa Valley grows some really nice Sangiovese. Uh, works really well with pizza in general. See, now this is this is happening this Friday for me. Like, I'm yeah, yeah. I, do you know how excited <laughs> I am to like pair up some of these things with like? Granted, I'm not having like the fanciest meals every night, but it's you're like, having pizza, sir. Hey, that's, that's pretty that fancy. Is, yeah, that's, it can be anything you want it to be. <laughs> pizza is a beautiful piece of food. Hey, my wife has made some pretty fancy pizzas. I gotta say, I make some pretty fancy pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not even kidding. This is uh, this is a serious topic for me. Hold on. How about pesto pasta? Oh, pesto pasta. So we're just talking pesto 
over some noodles. You know, I'm more inclined to go to a, a white wine, okay. uh, uh, classically. Um, um, I think those elements with the basil and the olive oil work really well together. Um, you know, any, any, any white wine that, uh, I think is not too bold is going to be really great. Uh, there's a, uh, a beautiful, uh, white wine out of Italy, uh, called Pinot Grigio, normally made in the Veneto of Italy that really works really wonderfully, uh, with, with, with that, uh, particular dish. Pinot Gris, as it's called domestically speaking, same grape, different name. Um, it's going to be great. I know that name. <laughs> I know that name. Uh, here's one that I I thought might be difficult just because there's so many foods in it. It's like if say you're going out and having and having some sushi. I know you're having a bunch of little f- pieces of fish on rice, and there may be a bunch of different types of fish. But is there anything you'd recommend uh, other than maybe sake? <laughs> I mean, like I mean, I don't think that's technically a wine, even though they call it a rice wine, right? Yeah, I mean, technically, sake is a beer based on the, the manner of the process which it's mm-hmm. made, and that's a whole other conversation. But sake's great, and I think it's wonderful. But, you know, in that same respect, uh, uh, white wine with a high acidity is going to be great. I think there's a wide range of opportunity there. Though, technically speaking, with most sushi, it's going to work best with white wine. Though I know many high-end Japanese clients that eat raw oysters and high-end Bordeaux together, which in my mind makes my stomach turn. But they love that contrast and umami character uh, of the whole pairing together. But yeah, uh, white wine is great. Uh, again, Savion Blanc, dry Riesling, even an off dry or slightly sweet Riesling is going to be wonderful. Uh, uh, Vermentino, a really fun wine with, with, with sushi. It's going to be also fantastic. Uh, uh, but bright white wine, high acidity, going to be, going to be really wonderful with a wide variety of sushi. And, and Michael, before I go on to the next pairing question, I just want you to understand our, um, when we generated this list, at least when I was generating this list, I was going with the intent of how do we have wine throughout the entire day? Like, <laughs> like how can we pair wine with every meal, you know? So when you hear some of the stuff sure. we're asking, I, I mean, I'm not going to apologize, but I mean, I apologize at the same time. So the next question I have are ding dongs. Can you drink wine with oh, ding dongs? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I think that, um, that ports Madeira are fantastic. These fortified, uh, dessert-like wines are wonderful. Uh, Madeira has a really nutty quality to it. Uh, uh, ports can either have a rich, jammy quality to it, or there's also another range of ports called Tawny Ports, which can have that jammy, grapey-like flavor, but also have a light, nutty-like quality as well. These wines are also great with peanut butter and jelly. I've tried it. Ooh. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Ooh. Dude, apples and peanut butter are like a thing for me. Okay, I, I love that. Is right. there what what good pairing for wine of apple and peanut butter? Was that apple and peanut butter? Oh yeah, sliced apples and peanut butter. Oh man, well uh, let me see here. Um, so I, I love apple with 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 Chardonnay. That's just a, that's just a home run hit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with peanut butter, you know, you're gonna need something with a little bit more character to it. And uh, you know, it's. I mean, again, I think that 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 dessert wine is the way you're going to want to go. But in that particular range, I mean, there's a there's a wonderful uh, dessert wine called Angelica, uh, and it's a it's a type of grape, and you can actually find these grapes 
through many uh, older vineyards in uh, uh, California. Oh wait, I'm I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. When you when you say dessert wine, you're you don't mean iced wine, or are those interchangeable? Or yeah, well, dessert wine is a whole range of sweet wine. Okay. Uh, and certainly why ice wine would be considered a wine with dessert, uh, 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 you know, uh, that, that, that's not the only dessert wine. Uh, but, um, uh, the, the, um, uh, dessert wine usually is going to quantify something that's having a level of residual sugar that you would find to be, you know, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that Angelica Sauternes, fantastic with that stuff. But certainly, classically, you know, trying to mix the idea with apples and peanut butter or apples and caramel, you're going to want something with a little bit of a nutty caramel-like flavor. So I think that the Angelica dessert wine is absolutely fantastic. Could be a little bit hard to find, though I'm a big fan of it, and it's it's available at a fairly decent price in uh, uh, some wine shops uh, uh, throughout California. So uh, maybe it would be a little bit of a splurge, but man, is it really good. Okay. Michael, I got one that might stump you. Can you pair wine with Honey Nut Cheerio cereal? Oh man, you know it's so sad because you know I had to eat Honey Nut Cheerios growing up like every day for like five <laughs> had years. To. You were privileged, sir. Day, the, cereal, the cereal just makes my stomach turn. It's horrible. It's a but you know <laughs> certainly you know I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know give you my best my 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 best thought here. Um, I'm you know, pretty much just I'm, looking for cereal in general. Cereals, you know, um, you know exact, sure, cereal in general, Captain Crunch. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's go with Captain um, you know, Crunch. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Sauternes all day long. Sauternes is a sweet dessert wine from the Sauternes region of Bordeaux, France. It's comprised of Simeon and Muscat, and it's very tasty. Uh, it, it has a sweeter honey quality that would be great with your honey nut Cheerios. Ah, and, uh, all right. I may even may even go to the store today and, and see how that 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 works. Yeah, <laughs> works okay, well, to kind of bring myself a little bit out of a stroll down memory lane. You'll have to follow up with us and let us know how it how it works <laughs> out. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's throw uh, a little curveball into this. If it's just with like not Captain Crunch, let's say with toast. Let's say you're a toast person in the morning. Does it have butter on it? Yes, okay. or it can have jam. Well, one or the other. One man. or the other. We yeah, need I, to give this guy something uh, to go let's, off. Let's, of. let's go. Let's do butter. Let's do butter. Butter toast. Okay. Toast with butter. Um, you know, I mean, classically, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking beer at this point. Uh, oh. but, but if I wasn't going, if I wasn't going, if I wasn't going for a, you know, a, a lager or something like that, as far as the beer, um, I think that toast and butter is a home run hit for California Chardonnay. Cause those are always elements that we talk about in flavor profiles in that wine. Interesting. That's one of the things where you're trying to find a buttery wine to go to to go with it. Exactly. Okay. I mean, you always hear people talk about a buttery, toasty Chardonnay. Well, that's that, that's going to be it. All right. I think I covered my uh, my food pyramid. All right. Well, okay. Let's get let's get <laughs> I mean, Cheerios, toast, ding dongs. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I should stop asking questions. Justin, take this. All right. So all right. So last pairing. Um, I just uh, we want to ask uh, now if you were to watch a good '80s sci-fi movie, <laughs> what would you what would you want to pair with that wine wise? <laughs> yes, uh, wine with movies. Now I got you. I mean, 
I mean, it really, it really, it needs to, you know, certainly we're talking about how low budget is it? Um, oh, but, like I mean, you know, certainly with something like, you know, you know, uh, encounters of the third kind or something like that, something that's, you know, going to be thought provoking, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I want to be sophisticated. I'm going to drink a fine Pinot Noir. I think that's really going to be nice. And, and, you, you know, would certainly lead me, you know, to, to really enjoy that movie. But if it's, if it's, you know, you know, something, you know, that you would see on mystery science theater 3000 or something like that, you know, I'm just going to get trashed. I want some high octane Zinfandel that's 15 or 16%. That's You know, funny. so I can start making fun of it. You know, I think that that would be the way I would go. Hold on, I am a huge MST3K fan, by the way. So just want to throw that <laughs> yeah, out no, there. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's great. No, I, I love it too. Um, because you said 80s sci-fi, I need to just jump the genre because I, I want some people to be uh, properly informed here. Let's say you have a date. You need uh, you need to throw on a rom com or like a romance or something. What's the uh, proper pairing of wine for like a romantic comedy? To sit down with the cheesy, someone special, cheesy one with the size of cheese. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, well, on uh, and mind you, the, the, this couple's only this, interested so in drinking, I, so there's no food involved. <laughs> <laughs> the couple's only interested in drinking and watching if this movie. Just drinking a wine and you're enjoying it throughout, you know, a movie. Mm-hmm. You don't want anything too bold because you don't want anything to get in the way of the conversation about the movie or, you know, to make you start thinking about the wine rather than the movie that you're watching. So I would certainly uh, be enjoying a lighter to medium bodied uh, uh, red wine. I think that certainly Grenache is a beautiful wine to enjoy. It has character and a, and a level of intri- intrigue that's appealing, but can in most cases, not be overstated. Uh, again, Pinot Noir is a fine example as well. Um, uh, uh, it's, I, I would certainly not recommend a big, rich, tannic Cabernet uh, uh, because certainly you're going to be craving food and you may have to get up and miss parts of the movie to go rummage through the refrigerator. He's thinking about uh, details, man. He's thinking about uh, it. Well-balanced Merlot is also going to be really very nice. Michael, I hope your wife's listening to this episode, and I hope she's silently nodding. He's like, that's right. That's my husband. <laughs> he knows what's up. <laughs> so. well, that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the way, it's kind of the way I, I, I got to keep her company is I invited her over to my house, and the only reason I could make her stay was to open bottles of wine. So, so you know, yeah, it, 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 it works, and I highly recommend it. Um, all right. So before we, uh, before we head out here, um, I wanted to ask you one last question because you deal with so many customers um, and you have so many experiences uh, with these people. Like, could you maybe give us like a, a best worst experience you've had with your job? Uh, let's see here. We'll start with the uh, a worst experience. Um, you know, the, I, 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 you know what always bums me out. Um, is when I get clients that are in a restaurant and they don't want to have a good time. And I know that everybody's seen it before. Sadly, some people have probably been involved in it. When you're with someone, it's the wrong time. There's been an argument Mm -hmm. or it's just not the right setting and they're not happy to be there. Um, No matter what you do, what you pour, you know, what you offer, it's not going to work out. And uh, that's always, that's always a bummer to me because you know, uh, you want people to have a good time, especially when someone's at your table and you feel like you're hosting them in that fashion. 
Um, uh, it's such a, that's, that's such a bummer to see. And, uh, uh, there's no uh, wine you're going to pour at that point. That's going to fix that, that problem at that table. It's not, it's not, yeah, wine, at that man. point I try to recommend shots, you know, I'm like, let's <laughs> yeah. have some whiskey folks. It's, it's let's either, have a lot of whiskey. <laughs> it's either shots or the door, whatever, one or the other fix the situation. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, some of the best times are when, uh, on the very other side of that coin, when people are together as family or as friends and they're there to have a great time, uh, whether they're new to wine or not, but really enjoying the idea of pairing wine with food. Uh, that's a lot of fun because you can, you can offer sometimes things that people have not had before. Uh, uh, or find them a very special wine that they love and, uh, they show it to their friends. Everybody's talking about it. They have this wonderful time and then they come back to the restaurant. And sometimes even years later, after they told you the story five and six times, they're still telling you it. You know, they'll tell you, Oh, I remember when I brought my, my dad here with, with, with me and, and my wife, and we were all here with six years ago. We had this wonderful time and he still talks about it to this day or, and it was, you know, this incredible evening. And, That's and you know, I, I've had the pleasure of, of hearing that story by many guests. And they, you know, I, uh, in the setting that I work, uh, I see many guests sometimes several times a year uh, throughout a number of years. And sometimes these guests will tell me the, you know, a story of that nature. And that, that's really, that's really the most, you know, enjoyable time where the, where the, where the wine fits the setting and where the folks are having a good time and, and, uh, that's, 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 that's just fantastic. I think really that's, that's what a dining experience is all about. Yeah. That's gotta be pretty fulfilling to hear that. That's, stuff that's when you feel later. like you're helping people. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, sure. that's when setting the experience like pays off nicely. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. That's cool, man. I like that. So, uh, you were at the end of our episode, Michael, I can't believe wine took over an hour to talk about because I feel like I want to talk more about it and that, and I want to get another bottle. Malbec. Um, well, so you'll get another bottle and you have me back on whenever you want. It'd be great. That's awesome. There we go. I think that will have to happen because I need to try new wines with my cereal. And um, yeah. And we might just, uh, because uh, we might be able to just, just do another cheese episode. Oh, just a Michael. cheese? Oh, yeah. All right. We're making moves here. <laughs> Things are happening at the interesting hour over here. Uh, Michael, why don't you give uh, one last plug where people can find you online and also your business? Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, uh, uh, as I said, my, my wife and I had the pleasure of uh, uh, having a business together. It's a wonderful online wine shop. It's called Falling Bright Wine Merchants. Uh, you can find it at fallingbrightwinemerchants.com. And there we showcase a very focused collection of anywhere from 200 to 300 wines at a time, uh, almost uh, always 100% domestic, California, Oregon, and Washington. And uh, many of these wines are produced by uh, uh, small family owned, uh, boutique wineries, uh, price points range from anywhere to, um, $20 to a thousand dollars a bottle. And, you know, right now until the end of summer, just for these next few days throughout Labor Day, there's a great sale, uh, that's going, uh, uh, online, uh, probably on, uh, at that, at that website. So if you're looking for a great wine at an even better value, uh, uh, you can certainly find it there for the next few days. All right, cool. Well, thank you for that. Um, Michael? We'd love to talk to you again, man. Thanks for everything today. Yeah, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you guys very much. All right. All right, have a good one, man. You too. Bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you, Michael Cox, for coming on, being a champ. 
and struggling through that internet connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't too bad. But uh yeah, learned a lot today about wine. Hope you guys did too. Yeah. Falling Bright Wine Merchants. You guys got to check him out. Uh, definitely has some great selections. Great website. Yeah. The coupons uh, that he was talking about, we recorded this a little while ago. So those coupons uh, aren't there anymore, but they still got some great deals. Their website's actually pretty amazing. So go check it out. Support them. They're a cool couple doing some cool things with wine. And we'll see, see you guys next week on the next episode. So let's wrap this baby up. This episode is brought to you by Core Foundation. Core Foundation is a multimedia nonprofit. Check us out at cor-foundation.org. And whatever shenanigans we get into next week, we'll see. See you next week, guys. For call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.